Let's bow our heads and invite the Lord into our midst. Our loving Father in heaven, we're thankful, Lord, for this beautiful morning that you have made, a day of refreshing, Lord, from the, the oppressive heat that we've had in the last week. And we thank thee, Lord, that we could be physically refreshed as we went outside today. And Lord, we pray that we would also be refreshed for the inner man, that the inner man might also be refreshed, Lord, by your living word. And Father, it is only your living word that feeds the inner man. And we know that if you abide with us and if, if your word, Lord, has your spirits guiding, that you will also refresh the inner man thereby. And we thank thee and praise thee in advance for this. Lord, we, we're mindful of those that don't have it as us, and we pray that you would go out and seek the many that are, that are outside, O Father in heaven, that do not know thee. Let your spirit, pour your spirit, O Father in heaven, upon all flesh, Lord, as you have prophesied in the last days, that many, Lord, would have their thoughts turned to thee, their maker, that they would know that thou art God. Father, guide us in your word, bless us with your word this morning, for we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. With the Lord's help, I'd like to read from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, beginning to read at verse 38. Mark, chapter 9, beginning at verse 38. And John answered him, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us. For we forbade him, because he followeth not us. But Jesus said, Forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because ye belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he were cast into the sea. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off, for it is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. For every one shall be salted with fire and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its saltness, wherewith shall ye season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace one with another. I've read to the end of the chapter. Loved ones, in this chapter, 
that we've all read many times before, we, we hear and read of, of the Lord saying to cut off your hand if it offends thee, or to cut off your, your limbs to put out your eye, but we don't see, we don't see many Christians that have followed this literally, that are walking around with, with, with one arm or have put out their eye. And I don't think the Lord intends, intended when he said these words to, to take it literally. But there still is a message, a very strong message of what the Lord is saying to us. Um, in my Bible, in the, in the subheading, it talks of, of, of cutting off sources of temptation. Cutting off is what it talks about here. And another word for that is also spiritual surgery. Spiritual surgery that we can read about in, in, in other places, cutting off. In, in Colossians, we read, in whom also, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, um, Colossians 2, verse 11, in whom ye also are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. In putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, by cutting off the things of the flesh, the things that trouble us. And what is it really that troubles a person but sin? Sin, the Bible speaks of so much. And it's hard to sometimes think about sin on a, on a beautiful day like today when Many of us might not have any cares or sorrows, but yet the Bible says that sin does easily beset us. Sin, when the Lord was speaking to, to, to Cain, who had slain his brother Abel, and then the Lord spoke to him after, and he said to, to Cain, and he said, sin is lying at your door. Sin is crouching or lying at your door. It's so very close. And it's going to look for you, and it's going to seek you out. It's going to find you. You don't have to go looking for sin. Sin is lying around the next corner. It finds us. And on a day like this, we might ask ourselves and, and find ourselves maybe thinking and not feeling, perhaps, the real need that we have for the word of God, for God's strength. There was an elder brother in, in our church in, in, in Hamilton um, when we still had the other location many years ago, and he was very old, and, and I had a feeling this probably was his last visit to our church there and at the end of the service, and, and, and we asked him to preach. I went up to him and asked him if he could depart some wisdom to us. And he, he thought carefully for a moment, and one of the things that I still remember, though it happened many years ago, he said, be, be careful, be aware that you always see a need for the Lord. I was young then, and I was vibrant in faith, I thought, at that time. And I didn't, it didn't really connect to me like it does these days when I'm getting a lot older seeing the need for the Lord. 
especially in the times that we live in, in our country, that we live in, it, it, there are days, there are days when we might not feel or see immediately the need that we have for the Lord. But nevertheless, the need is there. And if we, if we think back and if we look back and the, 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 the mistakes the children of Israel made, it was that they lost sight of that need. They lost sight of that need. They had bad times when they turned to the Lord, when they, when they pleaded and begged the Lord for help. And then the Lord helped them and things were good and, and they drifted away from the Lord. And, and that, is, that is the nature of man. That is the nature of our flesh and blood. That when things are well, it is not hard to drift away from the Lord. But nevertheless, sin is, is still crouching at the door. It's lying there. It's waiting for us. And though we might not see it right away, and it has to be dealt with, and it has to be dealt with, with harshly, really, in a way, as the Lord spoke of here in, in cutting it off, that spiritual type of surgery, in not giving it place, don't give place to, to, to the devil, to sin. Cutting it off as, 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 as much as we possibly can with the Lord's help. Don't give sin an inch. Don't rationalize with sin. Don't toy with sin. And though we may feel strong at times and think that we have no problem in dealing with it, we have to remember that the enemy of our soul is stronger than we are if we don't have the Lord with us constantly. He will overcome us one way or another, but there are things that, 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 that we can deal, that we can do to deal with sin. Sin tries to get us to do what we don't want to do, and we, we know that verse in, uh, that the Apostle Paul speaks of in in, in Romans, the seventh chapter, where he says that for that which I do, I allow not, and for what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that do I. Basically saying that the things we, we want to do, we intend to do, we know that are right to do, we often don't do that, and the things we don't want to do, we end up doing somehow. And if we do that, we know we, we have done wrong. But again, I think the Apostle Paul points out to us that this is the nature of, of flesh and blood, and this is the nature of where Satan wants to take us while we are on this earth. And therefore, we have to be aware that we, we do have a need, even though we don't see it. And I think, I think what we have to do in times like that really is ask the Lord, Ask the Lord when we don't feel that need, when we don't see that need. Ask the Lord to show us that need, that we do have a need, that it is important, that it is so close. He knows how close Satan is and how, which corner he's around. And if we put our trust and our faith in him, we can, we can overcome. We can overcome those things that, 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 that he has shown us 
when we deal with sin, there's no better chapter, really, than, than and I'm going to read a few verses out of that, and, and that is in, 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 in 2 Peter, uh, the, the first chapter. There, there is no better, but the thing is, when, when we cut off, when we cut off sin in our lives, which is what I believe the Lord is asking us to do here, and, and, and it's a constant thing. It's not just at, at our conversion, but it's a constant thing as we, as we battle against flesh and blood, as the Spirit wars against it. There is a warfare going on, and we battle, and it's a constant cutting off. It's a constant thing. And if a person does cut these things off with the Lord's help, cutting it off is not enough in our lives. If, if there is something that we have cut off, we've decided not to do, and it has to be replaced by something. A heart that, is, that, is, that has been swept clean that now embraces the Lord, it, it has to also have something else in it, something that has been cut off. We have to, it has to be swept clean. Otherwise, the Bible tells us in, in the Gospel of Matthew, if we leave it empty, if we just cut these things off, and if we don't replace it with something good, like the virtues the Bible talks about, it's going to be worse, it can be worse with us than in the beginning. As it says in the 12th chapter of, of Matthew, we read, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return unto my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty and swept and garnished. And then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of, of that man is worse than the first. The last state is worse than the first because it has not been replaced, it has been left empty. It, has been not, it hasn't been replaced with the things of the spirit. It hasn't been replaced with, with virtue. And the heart is ensnared again. And Satan knows when, when a heart is empty, when there is room to enter in. He comes back. We all know that. He comes back looking for a place. He comes back looking for a place. But if we fill it, if we fill it with the things of the Spirit, if we fill it with, with what God has given us to do, loved ones, and leave him no room, leave the enemy of our room, of our soul no room. It's, it's better for us that way. In First Peter, a number of verses I like to read there, in beginning at the third verse, first chapter, according to his divine power, he hath given us all things pertaining unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath, that hath called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature. 
partakers of that virtue that we're going to read a little bit more about in the next verses. And God wants us to participate in that divine nature, not just to look at it from the outside. Participate by living, by living it, by adding virtue to our faith, by adding these graces, these virtues into our everyday lives. And that's where it is. It's in living that way in our, in our everyday lives, being, mar being made partakers um, to participate in that divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity, which is love. For if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the things, and these virtues, and when you count them, they, they add up to seven. They add up to seven, and they replace, when I was looking up and read a few things on, on this, they replace the seven things that, that God has led us to overcome. These are the virtues that, that replace um, pride. These are in no specific order. Pride, envy, anger, sloth, gluttony, greed, and lust. These are seven. Seven that are replaced by the seven virtues from God. And this is a struggle that you and I find ourselves in. This is the fight of faith that the Apostle Paul speaks of, fight a good fight of faith. And the Lord, in this, in this battle, as we, as we fight this battle, he equips us, we know that. He gives us a whole armor, and he gives us also a weapon, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God that we don't have to be onlookers of these virtues and say, I wish I had these. I wish I had these seven virtues in my everyday life. But loved ones, on our own, we can't have them. But with the Lord's help. And if we ask the Lord fervently with all our heart every day, and this is the need that we have. This is the need we ought to bring before him, Lord, Give me these virtues today anew to practice them in the people I meet, the people I speak to, the opportunities that the Lord might open to me, that they would be filled, these virtues would be filled in, in, in my heart. And we know that from the beginning of the, the Bible to, to the end, this is the battle. This is the battle that goes on. And it doesn't end until we leave this life. I often wonder what it will be like when we know the Bible says that, and we read in Revelations, that place that God has prepared for us where there is no temptation. Where there is no temptation. It's, it's hard to imagine that because in the world that we live in today, we just no matter where we look almost, there is a, is a type of temptation of one or the other. 
And loved ones, we know that even if we close our eyes, the thoughts that, that come into our minds sometimes that we have no control over, the only control we have is to plead with the Lord to ask that thought to go out of our mind and not to dwell on it. So how will it be when these thoughts will not enter our mind, our heart? This is one of the, the, the things of heaven that we ought to look forward to. No more temptation. When Satan is bound and, and when Satan is removed from the place where you and I are, how different it will be. How different it will be. The battle is over. The battle won't even be remembered. But we'll remember that we're there. That the Lord has bought us. The Lord has given us and equipped us with, with everything to overcome, to fight a good fight, to fight the good fight of faith. And we know we're not going to be perfect, but we know that we have a Savior that sits on the right hand of God, that intercedes for us, that knows that we're flesh and blood, that knows and if we practice these, these, these virtues, that is, I believe, what, what the word, what Jesus was speaking of here, um, of being the saltiness, of being the salt of the earth. And if you really think of, when you read these virtues, how little you see of these virtues in the world today. And how the world has changed, and I believe in and, and those that are older, like me, might, will remember that 30 years ago, 40 years ago, um, there were more of these virtues in the everyday world. I'm not talking about the Christian world, but in the everyday world that we live in. The world of schools and work and every day speaking to people. But the world has changed. The virtues are less the virtues have been replaced by the other seven. We see more and more of that every day, especially probably in the last 10 to, to 20 years. And loved ones, if we really think about it, do we think the world is going to be a better place, say, 10 years from now? We don't know. None of us know, but we knew, do know that Prophecy in the Bible points to that it won't be, that things will continue to slide the way they have been sliding the last 20, 30 years or more. But we can, with the Lord's help, be that saltiness or that light that the Lord has said by, by practicing these virtues, these seven in our lives, we automatically become that light. When we deal with people, when we speak with people, people know and realize and see a difference more so today because the darkness is greater. I think 20, 30 years ago, you didn't see the difference as much because there was more light in the world. But now there's more darkness. And those that practice these virtues and have these virtues in their heart and live them, they will stand out more. They will stand out more 
as a candle is so noticeable in a, in a, in a dark room than if you lit a candle in bright daylight. It's not that noticeable. And loved ones, that's what the Lord was speaking of when he spoke of not putting our light under a bushel and of being that saltiness and not losing that saltiness, which is not hard to do. Sin is, is crouching at our door too. Wants to take that saltiness away, wants to take those virtues away. Doesn't want us to practice them. Have salt in yourselves and have peace one with another. We can have that salt in ourselves. As the Bible says, and put on the Lord Jesus. Turn to him every day. Turn to him even when we don't see the need. When we look out and just have that feeling that there is no real need. I don't see it. I don't feel it. But we do live in a world of, of darkness and a world that is engrossed with sin. And God has given us of, of his armor that we can put on, that we can walk, not as perfect beings, but that we can walk dependent on the Lord, dependent on the Lord, on his virtue, on his goodness. The righteousness is not ours. It's the Lord's righteousness. That when we do good things, that we give him the praise and the glory because it's his power working in us. He who is able to do, the Bible says, exceedingly above that, that we're able to ask or even think. Really, we can say that unmeasured is his goodness. That he can do above that we're able to even ask or even think. That's how good God is. That's how great God is. This is the God that, that wants to be on our side. That wants to be on our side when we battle against our own flesh and blood. As the, as the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. So this, this spiritual surgery, this cutting off the sources of temptation, I believe we have to do on a daily basis. And we do it with his help. We do it by turning to the Lord on a daily basis. And he gives us that peace that he wants. And it's easy to have that. When, when he gives us that peace, it's easy to have that peace one with another, as, as the closing verse speaks of here. When, when Satan has taken away our peace, it's hard to have peace with another person. It's easy then to become irritable. It's easy then to become angry because we know that there's something not right within us. But if we seek his peace daily, and he wants to give it to us daily, then we can have peace with one another daily also. And this is the relationship that Jesus speak of when, sp spoke of when he said that we, we should love one another. We should love one another because he loved us first. 
He cared for us first. The Bible says that God is the only one that cares for our soul. No other cares, no one else cares for our soul, but God does. He loves us and he cares for us and, and, and his commandments are important and his greatest one was really and is, we should say, that we love one another. And if we think of the love that he has given us, the love that he has left us, which is included in all these virtues that we read of in Peter, we know and realize and when we look at his life, wherever we read of the gospel, when Jesus walked and when he talked and whom he talked to, even if it wasn't his own, those virtues were always there. That love was always there. Even to the amazement of others and to the anger of others, he, 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 he ate with sinners, he, 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 he spoke to the woman that was, was caught in adultery, he spoke to the Samaritan woman when the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus was not a respecter of persons. These virtues, this love carried on across all lines, across all borders. There was no restriction. And loved ones, we ought to do the same. And that's the simplicity of the gospel. All these things are contained in the life of Jesus Christ. Everything he did, everything we read later in, in the letters of Paul and the doctrines, and, 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 and they're all reflected in the life of Jesus Christ. In his short public life of some three odd years, I believe the Bible speaks of, he spoke of them daily, he practiced them daily because he cared for us, because he loves us because he knows us. And loved ones, we, we know that when we are young, we, we turn to our mothers because we knew our mothers probably were the ones that was the one that knew us the best. And we had comfort in that. We could bring anything to our mothers. Our mothers knew our, our traits, our character, everything about us. She knew what to do how to help and what to do and and in a sense but in a much greater scale the lord is that way with us too he knows us better than our mothers knew us he he knows us better than we know ourselves he knows our weaknesses and he knows what strengths we might have but if we do have any strengths they are from him they are from him and he's willing to give us. He's willing to give us so much if we just continue to put our trust and our hope and our expectation in him. He is the God of all hope and comfort. He is the God that will, has promised us that there is such a place where there is no more temptation, where there is only fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore that the Bible speaks of. And as he told his disciples, that the place is prepared and I will come again and receive you unto myself. And I believe he wasn't only speaking to his disciples when he said that, but he was speaking to all those that know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Amen.
we have heard a message. And it reminds us that while we are here on this earth, while we are here on our pilgrim journey, that there are difficulties awaiting us. And as we have heard that sin lies at the door and waiting for us to encourage it. And we better know our, how not to encourage it. But while we are on this pilgrim journey now, we have a choice. There's two ways ahead of us. The one that leads to heaven and the other one to destruction. And when we consider the outcome, when we consider uh, as the, one of the hymns expresses it so aptly, how beautiful heaven will be, where there will be no more sickness, no more pain, no more parting, no more death, but will be forever in his presence. And when we consider all of that, the choice should not be hard. And with God's help, it is possible. What seems impossible to man is not impossible to God, and he can help us overcome whatever difficulty, whatever hurdle would be on the way.